Welcome to Casting Hope, a sermon podcast of Hope Presbyterian Church in Columbus, Ohio. My name is Joe Hack, lead pastor at Hope, and we are so glad you're listening in wherever you are. In this moment of social distancing, we hope that our audio and streaming resources meet you where you are at and help you stay connected to God and to His promises. Bible and turn with me to 2 Corinthians, not first, but 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 3 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Last week, uh, we finished our series on the fruit of the Spirit, and we explored um, how, how to be a church that grows by the Spirit, even though the soil right now is rather rough. We learned that actually a healthy vineyard actually has rough soil. A healthy vineyard has rough soil. Vineyard owners know that rough soil actually produces better grapes uh, because roots have to dig deep and deep uh, when the when the soil is rough. And so we've been asking God for this kind of healthy and surprising growth in our church during these days. Uh, But just because we're done with this series uh, doesn't mean that we're going to stop asking God for growth in this time. Uh, Or that life has suddenly gotten easier. In many ways, the soil just keeps on getting more and more rough. And so let's just continue to ask the Spirit to give us growth in these days. Next week, we'll be starting our annual series that we do in the summer called Summer Psalms. But today, we're going to be exploring what God has to say about comfort. When life is uncertain, like it is today, we all instinctively are searching for comfort. But what does God have to say about comfort? So this morning, we'll be focusing on what Paul says about it in his second letter to the Corinthians. I'll read and you can follow along with me once again. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. This is God's word. Blessed be the God of, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Lord, may the words of my mouth and with the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock and our Redeemer and Holy Spirit, open our hearts, open our ears, so that we would see you, Jesus, and worship you. Would this be an encounter and not just an information transfer, Lord? Empower this sermon by your Spirit and with your living word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Well, whenever I travel, I usually bring, not always, but I usually bring my coffee-making supplies. And it's not really because I need good coffee. I'm quite okay with bad, even mediocre coffee. No, it's because coffee and the making of the coffee is a comfort to me. Uh, When things are uncertain, 
or if, when things are uncomfortable around me, or if I anticipate things to be uncertain or uncomfortable around me, I need to feel comfortable. Now, I realized this last year, actually, at an intensive marriage conference that my wife and I went to. Now, marriage seminars are by design and by definition uncomfortable. And I knew this would be a rich time. I knew this would be an edifying time, um, a well worth it time. But I also knew instinctively that it would be an uncomfortable time. And so instinctively, and actually without thinking, I brought my own coffee supplies with me. And what's great is that a spiritual director who was at the conference pointed this out to me. She helped point this out to me. Uh, You know, spiritual directors and counselors are good at noticing things. Well, she noticed me skipping out on a session, making my own coffee right next to the free coffee station, no less. And as Josie and I got to know her, uh, throughout the conference, she eventually shared her observation to me. Hey, you were making your own coffee. What's that about? See, for me, coffee and making coffee is one of many comfort rituals that I have in my life. And I just wonder if you yourself have a comfort ritual. Things you do when you're feeling off balance. And maybe your comfort rituals, I don't know, maybe they're super healthy, like exercise or journaling. And maybe they're super unhealthy, like destructive addictions and harmful indulgences. Or maybe they're somewhere in between, like making artisanal pour-over coffee whenever you feel off balance. Well, either way, it's clear that we are all, as humans, grasping for comfort these days. We all need it. The world is messed up, and we all need comfort And it's well known that right now, these last few months have been taking a toll on all of us. Every indicator, really, of human flourishing seems to be trending down. And every indicator of of human struggle seems to be trending up. And so it's no wonder that we're all desperate for comfort. I know I am. But here's what I've noticed in my life. My comfort rituals, they help, but they do not heal. My comfort rituals are good supplements in my life, but they do not bring substantial healing and help in my life. I mean, a jog used to give me enough of a hormone hit that I, it could take me through at least the end of the day, but not anymore. These, ta- these days are too jacked up to be solved with a three-mile run. We need something more. Comfort rituals can feel like, these days, pouring a Dixie cup of water on a raging bonfire. It's just not cutting it. We need real comfort. We need real comfort. And that's my burden this morning. In the small passage that we just heard read aloud, in mere four sentences, the Apostle Paul uses the word comfort ten times. In a mere four sentences, Paul uses the word comfort Ten times, And so I think we all should listen up because Paul's giving us a picture of real comfort. And so what is real comfort? Well, I see five elements in this passage of real comfort as God defines it. I want to look at each in turn this morning. So first this, real comfort is Christ-centered. It's Christ-centered. It's not centered on our efforts. It's not centered on our circumstances but on the mediating work of Christ. 
Paul says in verse 3 that God is, quote, the God of all comfort who comforts us in all affliction. This is who God is. He is the God of comfort. You want to know what God is like? He is the God of comfort according to his own word. And not just a little bit of comfort, but it says here in the text, all comfort. So there is no true comfort apart from God. And so the next question is, how do we have access to this true comfort? Well, Paul tells us in verse 5, if you look down, it's through Christ. So real comfort must come through the channel of Jesus. Last summer, almost exactly a summer ago, I went on the longest hike of my life. It was a marathon in distance in one day. And the destination point, which is appropriately called Clouds Rest, is nearly 10,000 feet in elevation. And to get there, you basically head towards the clouds. Um, and, and at the very end, you hit switchbacks that thrust you 1,000 feet into the sky in just a matter of one mile. And on this day, it was unseasonably hot, and there wasn't, ironically, a cloud in the sky. And so the sun was beating down on us as we were walking up. And we weren't alone. There were others making this hike as well. And my hiking partner, uh, he noticed that many of them had the telltale signs of dehydration. And so he, being trained to notice it and being trained to help, directed them to safety as they were staggering in their dehydration. We would have been just like them. We would have been just like them if we didn't have these magic drops in our backpack that turned potentially dangerous mountain water into drinking water. These drops gave us, in other words, access to unlimited water. But those who were staggering around and falling over and sitting down because of dehydration, they didn't have access to the mountain water. What they had was a water bottle, or maybe sometimes two, but it wasn't cutting it. They didn't have the drops. They didn't have the access to the unlimited supply. And so the only difference between our health and their dehydration was that we had a channel toward the endless source of water. And Paul's argument is very simple, that God is an endless source of comfort. And the way that we get access to that endless source of comfort is not through our own efforts. That is not the channel to comfort, to true comfort. The channel to that unending comfort is through Jesus. The only source of real lasting comfort comes through Jesus. And what is our temptation? Our temptation is when we're struggling and when we're encountering affliction in our lives. Our temptation is to cut ourselves off and to actually turn our back toward the only channel of comfort, Jesus. And when we do that, we won't experience the comfort that God has for us. Real comfort, lasting comfort, capital C comfort, cannot come from our comfort rituals, helpful as they can be. Those lowercase c comforts are just not enough. And maybe you are coming to the end of your lowercase c comforts, and you're searching for more. And maybe you're on... And you're listening to this message because you're searching for more. You have to find it in Jesus. I plead with you to lay hold of Jesus. Through him, you have access to the comfort of God. The only true comfort 
And so what are those lowercase c comforts for you? And consider how you might be right now depending on those instead of Jesus. So this is like depending on one or two water bottles when there's an ocean of drinkable water right beside you. We need to turn to the living water. Real comfort is Christ-centered. Second thing we see in this is that real comfort is concrete. It's concrete. Now, I stole this word from the New Testament scholar David Garland. Uh, He makes the point that comfort doesn't ultimately come from a creed. It comes from the living God himself. Comfort is not merely intellectual. Comfort is concrete. It touches down in human history and in your individual life story. We know this because in the Old Testament, God's comfort was a concrete action or a pledge for a concrete action, not an emotional feeling primarily. In fact, one scholar, he studied all the uses of this word in Paul's Bible, uh, the Old Testament, and he summarizes the word this way, and I'm quoting, God's, this is comfort, comfort in the Old Testament, God's decisive intervention to rescue and relieve his people in times of distress and affliction. So when God says in Isaiah 51, 12, I am he who comforts you. He is talking about showing up. He is talking about rescuing God's people in real time. I often talk about the difference between cookbook faith and cookout faith. A cookbook is full of recipes. A cookbook is just words and pictures. But a cookout is full of the food and the feasting. The actual taste. The actual glory of having people together. And the actual taste of the food. The, the, the joy of eating. The cookbook is just words and pictures. And so a cookbook faith approaches the Bible as a cookbook. As something to just read and understand. But a cook out faith takes those words and allows them to point you to the, to the person of Jesus. And to the relationship that you can have with Jesus. It's not just in your brain with the Lord. It's in our life. It's a cook out faith. Paul is saying that God's comfort is concrete. It's the difference between knowing about how to make something and actually tasting it. And what does this mean for us? Well, it means, number one, that we should have in our lives as Christ followers comfort stories. Stories of when God intervened and brought rescue into your life. And here's the thing. If you are a true Christian, then the Holy Spirit has given you two already. Two comfort stories that you can return to day in and day out. And the first is in the past, and it's the Calvary comfort story. Every single believer gets connected personally to the cross of Jesus, which is the most concrete example of God's comfort that we have. Where he decisively and concretely and in time and in space rescued us from sin, our sin, from Satan and from death. That is the comfort of God. 
Amen? And then we also have another comfort story. It's the resurrection comfort story. It's the, it's the comfort story to come. It's the promise of Jesus' return when he makes all things new. And what happens is the Holy Spirit enters into our life and connects us not just to the Calvary comfort story, but the Holy Spirit connects us to the resurrection comfort story. It's as if he downloads the future into the hardware of our bodies so that we are now new creations, living resurrection lives as previews of what is to come. And we have a living hope, not a dead hope, a living hope. And it's a living hope because we are connected to Jesus and to his future when he will make all things right. These are our comfort stories. And then in between where we live today, we ought to be accumulating and experiencing real time comfort stories in our life where God actually brings real comfort to you. My mom, she recently shared a story of a friend who was so bogged down by fear, she did the bold and the vulnerable thing, which many of us don't do, and she just named it and asked for prayer. And God met her friend and brought her real comfort, comfort that could only come from God. That, too, is a comfort story given to us by God the Holy Spirit. It's concrete, friends. The comfort of God is not just vague. It's concrete. So when you have them, write them down. Journal them. Memorialize them. Because you will need these stories again. And so will others in your life. Real comfort is concrete. Thirdly, real comfort is courageous. It's courageous. I learned from my studies uh, this week about comfort that the Latin root of the the Latin root of the word comfort actually comes from the word fortis, fortis, which means strong and courageous. So real comfort is not a soft security blanket. Real comfort is more like armor that helps us walk into and endure real hard affliction, like hard things. That's what comfort does. It's more like armor. It's not a comfort blanket. And so we see this actually in verse 6. It says, Paul says, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, he goes on, it is for your comfort. When you experience, when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. The phrase there, patiently endure, is critical. Paul does not expect this church in Corinth, and us as well, that hardship will go away when comfort comes in. Comfort is like armor that helps us endure hardship. Comfort doesn't push hardship away. Real comfort makes us courageous. I read a book last summer called Born to Run. And in it, the author talks about his foray into the strange subculture of ultra-distance running. And what struck me, a lot of things struck me about this book, but one thing that struck me was that ultra-distance running, like like 50 miles, 100 miles, and more at a time, 
ultra-distance running is not pain-free. For some reason, I had the unchecked assumption that ultra-runners were just really athletic and therefore didn't experience pain and therefore could run and run and run and run and run without any kind of pain. But the truth is that these runners, what they do is they learn to live with the pain. They learn to run with the pain. In fact, one ultra runner, and I'll never forget this, says they feel lonely in their running until the moment they experience pain. And when they experience pain, they say to their pain, finally, I have a friend to run with. Thank you for joining me. So that's kind of messed up. But that's ultra running in a nutshell. Um, So I've read. And what Paul is doing here is Paul is comparing the Christian life to an ultra marathon. We will start to experience affliction. We will also experience real time comfort in our affliction. Enough to keep us running. Do you see Paul's vision of of comfort mysteriously includes pain and affliction and hardship. And he says in verse 4, he says, God comforts us, look at it, in our affliction. Paul does not say God comforts us out of affliction. In fact, the function of comfort, as we've said, is to make us more strong and courageous in the face of hardship. Real comfort doesn't minimize or escape the hard things in our life. Real comfort doesn't do any of that. What it does is it makes us courageous. Fourthly, real comfort is costly. It's costly. So if Paul's vision of comfort includes affliction, as we just read, then it means that our stories of God's comfort are going to be expensive. Because real comfort, according to Paul, is costly. Paul says in verse 4 that the comfort he receives in affliction enables him to comfort others in their affliction. And then in verse 5, look down, he, he says, being united to Jesus unites us to two things. It unites us to his comfort, to be sure, but also his sufferings. In fact, in Romans eight seventeen, Paul says that we are heirs with Jesus. And what is an heir? An heir stands to receive everything that is his. And that's what Paul is saying, that we share in all that is by rights Jesus. But then he says, and this is the phrase that many of us don't underline, we sort of stop the pen before this little clause at the end of 17, which says, provided we share in his sufferings too. See, affliction for the Christian is actually proof, according to Paul, that we are on Team Jesus. This means that we will always have access to his comfort. But it is costly comfort because we will always have crosses to bear. In other words, the comfort that we experience and then pass on to other people who need it and to whom God has ordained we give it, it's never cheap. We didn't just read about it in a book. 
we went through hell and God showed up. And so now we're able to show that same comfort to others. When I was a young pastor and the ink on my MDiv was still drying, I was super insecure about my age, my youth. And I grew a beard uh, so that many people would think that I actually had some wisdom to bring to the table. And the truth was, I didn't have much. Even with the beard, I could point folks to good theology and to good books of other people who had comfort to give. But I, I didn't have costly comfort. Why? Because I didn't, and I hadn't yet really bled in life and suffered affliction. And then about a year into our church plant, we experienced affliction. And when I think back to those days, I think of a quote that I thought about often back then. And it goes like this. In the depths of affliction, God stores his choicest wine. In the cellars of affliction... In the depths of affliction, that's where God stores his choicest wine. And that was true in my experience. God gave me access to a kind of comfort that can only be accessed in the depths. And that has done more for me and for the comfort that I can now give others than any book that I've read or any knowledge that I possess. Or frankly, any gray on my beard. And God knows us. And he's given you a costly comfort to give. Another way of saying this is that there is no affliction in your life, past and present, that is wasted. And so what are those chapters in your life? And God's probably writing a chapter right now that you view as unredeemable. Let me just ask this. What if there is costly comfort in there somewhere? What if there's costly comfort in there somewhere that you can then give to others? It's been said that this doesn't mean that we seek affliction or call affliction good, but in Christ, our affliction can be redeemed and repurposed. And this means a couple of things. It means affliction, it means the affliction that you meet when on mission with Jesus. And many of you are meeting that affliction, I know, right now. Because you're on mission with Jesus. You've not paused these days. But you're full on, for, on full force mission with Jesus. And you're encountering affliction. Paul's vision here of comfort means that affliction in these moments is a strange but real pathway to assurance. This affliction doesn't have to only discourage you, but it can assure you that you are on team Jesus. Second, it means that you can offer people the best kind of comfort. Do you know what I mean? Like when your life is shaped like a cross, the comfort you give and that you have to give other people will never, ever be sentimental. The comfort that is given in deep affliction is real comfort. And so we can pass that costly comfort on to other people. Which brings us to the fifth and final truth about real comfort. Real comfort is communal. 
It's communal. It's ultimately not about you, but it's about others in the body. Paul gives us the reason that God gives us comfort to his people in verse 4. And hang on to this. It's an amazing truth. He says, so that. So God gives comfort. So that. So that what? We'll read on. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. That is amazing. The reason God comforts us is so that we can then comfort others who are in their own battles. And in verse 6, again, if we are afflicted, if I'm sorry, if we are comforted, Paul says in verse 6, it's for your comfort. If we're in any way comforted, it's for your comfort. That means that when whatever comfort that we receive from God, it's ultimately not for us, but for others. God's comfort, when we experience it, is penultimate. Its final destination is for others. I know people who give their favorite books away. They love the book so much. They're so helped by the book. But they don't keep it on their shelf. They don't collect it. They don't collect it. They give it away. It's like a book lover's paradox. The most cherished books in our lives are not sitting on our shelf. Real comfort works the same exact way. We experience and cherish the comfort that God gives us when we are having a hard time. But we do not set that on the shelf. We pass it off. We pass it off. And we pass it off. As one person put it, God does not comfort us to make us comfortable. God comforts us to make us comforters. And so first, I want you to think about how God has shaped your story in such a way to be a real comfort to others. And I want you to spend some time with a mentor or a spiritual friend who can help you here and ask, how has God shaped my story as an avenue and as a pathway to really bring comfort to other people in their afflictions? And then now, let me ask you this, who is it that you can reach out today with that comfort. I mean, this is real comfort. It's not the comfort schemes of artisanal coffee. Real comfort is receiving the comfort of God Almighty through Jesus, which, by the way, was the most concrete and costly comfort ever. The greatest cost to himself. And this cross-shaped comfort that we receive from God through Christ is eternal And it's never sentimental. And it's concrete. And it's rescued you. It's freed you. And so now we can extend that comfort to others. His comfort, friends, makes us comforters. And so God, we pray that you would do that work in us, even now and during this hard season. I pray, Lord, that we would not shelf the comfort that you give us, but that we would lend it out and that you would be pleased to comfort us so that your people could be comforted in turn. This is our prayer. We need comfort desperately. Some of us haven't even asked for it because we're afraid to ask. And so we ask now, Lord, would you bring comfort in our affliction? Whatever that affliction is, and they are many, bring it, Holy Spirit now into our lives. Holy Spirit now bring 
bring comfort, your comfort, into our hard times, into our struggle, right now, into our doubts, right now, Lord, into our hardship. And Lord, now bring to mind those in which we could release that same comfort into their lives. And it's in Jesus' name we ask this. Thanks for tuning in. For more information about our church and for more resources like this, visit our website at hopechurchcolumbus.org.